This week, there was a Facebook Live event in the Animals I View Facebook group. I know I've mentioned it before. I would love to have you come on over there if you're on social media and think about joining in the fun. I'm doing these live Facebook events. Looks like it's going to be every other week. So we had one um, just this past week on the 20th, and then we'll have another one in another couple of weeks. And I'm only going to say this word once because it's a hard word for me to say. And maybe it's an easy word for you all (laughs) to say. But uh, anthropomorphism, which is basically giving human attributes to animals. And ever so interestingly, and this is how the universe works, I think, just today, there was a post in the Animals Eye View Facebook group, and it had to do with geese, and particularly geese culling, which I guess you could, depending upon your frame of reference, you could call that goose um, or geese murder or geese euthanasia. Um, but this happened here in the state of Colorado, specifically in one of the city parks. I think it was right around this time of year. It may have been in the fall. I honestly can't remember and I'll see if I can put a link in the podcast notes about what particular dates that this happened. The bottom line of course is that geese are migratory birds. They're also federally protected by the way. And there had been a a fair amount of Uh, input, I guess probably is the word I would use, uh, from humans that were using city parks around the area and were being disturbed apparently by the large number of geese and more specifically uh, geese poop, goose poop, that was accumulating and, you know, basically fouling up uh, the lakes, the waters, As ever, there's always an incredibly delicate balance with nature. She can take quite a bit, but those intricate parts are pretty intricate. And when they're moving together, it's best not to fuss with any of those intricate moving parts, lest you kind of throw everything out of balance. So the uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife people decided that they would do some goose culling. And so, as you might imagine, there was a fair amount of pushback against the uh, geese culling. It went ahead anyway, and apparently the geese that were culled, I honestly can't remember the method by which the geese were culled. I do recall from reading uh, information uh, on the internet and in the newspaper that these geese were then uh, butchered and sold to, I believe the the flesh was going to be sold to homeless shelters in the area. Well, and so I just thought it was interesting that it's just so happened 
in the Facebook group today, there was a post about geese slash human relationships offer lessons for coexistence. And here in Colorado, we have a, a school associated with the University of Denver, their graduate school of social work. It's called the, um, uh, they have a, an institute for human animal connection. And so this next week, they're going to have an open forum where people can come and listen to a panel of experts, um, i.e. pretty much all scientists, I think, with um, a few attorneys kind of thrown in for good measure, to to talk about how it we can perhaps better manage our relationship with what humans are now coming to view as invasive species, at least here in the state of Colorado, and at least where city parks are concerned, that species being geese. And the one line of this article kind of jumped out at me, <laughs> being the animal communicator I am, and the comment was that humans are usually the reason why geese go where they do. And the broader context of that is that geese are, uh, in their migratory patterns, at least this, um, I guess I would probably call him an animal behaviorist or animal, and I think the term is uh, ethologist, E-T-H-O-L-O-G-I-S-T, uh, someone who, a scientist who um, observes animals, that because we do have city parks with uh, large green areas that the geese are normally attracted to that. I guess I would say I would agree that geese definitely are attracted to large bodies of waters, but for me it was a bit um, anthropomorphic to say that humans are usually the reason why geese go where they do. I quite frankly don't think that geese really care about humans. I think they care about bodies of water. I think they care about raising their baby geese, i.e. goslings. I think that they care about not having their nests disturbed. I think they care about um, among certain uh, species of geese that they mate for life. And so I think they care about their mate. But quite honestly, I just, I just don't think that humans are the reason why geese do pretty much anything. And so in reading this article, I was struck again by the whole disconnect that humans seem to have about sharing our world and our planet with animals and how it really is a slippery slope and I think it's quite an insidious thing how we we tend to put our human emotions certainly our human thoughts perhaps are are not so pleasant attributes uh, on the top of the other species on the planet. Leading into the Facebook Live event, I I do try not to have arguments on Facebook. I really do. However, when animals are concerned, <laughs> I can feel as is the saying goes, my Irish get up. And there was one individual that was. Uh, on a on a political group that I happen to belong to on Facebook that I just, you know, I listen, I'm like, oh, that's interesting comments. I use it actually more for information than anything. This individual, though, is attempting to liken his opposite political party to 
dogs, but in his post he said, yeah, I know we've called them dogs before, but I'm wondering if there's something that we can use that's even more vicious. And along with that post, he was using a picture of hyenas. And so my response was, I understand that this is kind of a natural thing for humans to use animals as, I guess, probably depositories, containers for darker aspects of ourselves, the shadow aspects. But I said, in reality, these hyenas actually have a really beautiful existence. They don't have a violent existence at all. It's only the human perspective that looks at anything about the predator and prey ex existence and relationship as violent. Hyenas actually perform a really valuable service to the planet herself by scavenging on occasion for themselves and for the most part. They actually take care of all the other refuge from every other prey, I guess I would probably, probably call feeding, that other predators do. And in this way, they they make sure that the earth herself stays clear of this. Meat is not left to rot. And so they basically further and promote the grand cycle of life. Another part of the Facebook Live event and talking about, again, the shadow side of uh, anthropomorphism. You see, it is difficult for me to say. <laughs> um, was was the story that was making the rounds on the internet about how wombats were basically offering up their burrows to some of the other species down in Australia. And so some of the other species down in Australia were using the wombat tunnels and burrows, which apparently are quite extensive underground, to escape the fire. And so part of the article was talking about that isn't this great that wombats are sharing their burrows with other animals and again I just don't perceive that to be accurate while I think it's true that maybe wombats themselves were attempting to flee frankly other predators and maybe going to places in their burrows that they hadn't been before or or perhaps even digging uh, deeper burrows for themselves. They were leaving other burrows underground as available to other species. But I just don't perceive that there was like a welcome mat put out for, you know, the occasional echidna or kangaroo or koala to take refuge in a burrow. I do think that perhaps that was a happy accident. But you can see that we're kind of using animals in a lot of different ways. And perhaps maybe where we could start in addition to the physical stuff is to look at how we put, again, we we call people, um, oh, you're just a dirty rat and you're, you're lower than a snake's belly and, oh, you're just such a worm and, oh, you're just a dog. And again, we kind of, uh, that's the kind of insidious relationship that we can sometimes have with the other earthlings on the planet that we have a very strict hierarchy of animals being down at the bottom which of course they're not it would be much better if we understood rather than a pyramid with humans at the top there actually was a lovely round circle with all of the species in there 
perhaps maybe somewhere in your life, maybe looking at your own, even start with your own animal companions. And if you're looking at it, perhaps you you can just see where maybe I do tend to take it personally if my dog starts pulling on the leash when we step out the door to go for a walk. And, and you're saying, I don't understand why you can't modify your behavior. I don't understand. I'm asking you to do this and you're just not doing this. And so to a certain extent, that might be something, hopefully not, but that might be something that you would say to another human that you're in a relationship with of, I've asked you to change your behavior and I don't understand why you're not changing your behavior. And immediately along with that, of course, comes frustration and irritation and even underneath anger. By looking at other species as who they are, the truth underneath why your dog might be pulling the moment you take them outdoor outdoors for a walk is because they have to run off a little bit of their pent-up energy from either being at home by themselves all day or maybe it's been two and a half, three days before you really took them on a proper walk. And so it's going to take them a while to get settled into the the loveliness and to the rhythm of the walk. The more you can not take it personally and the more you can understand that when it comes to human emotions such as aggression, such as anger, all of those sorts of things, those really aren't appropriate to transfer onto any animal on the planet because their reactivity is coming from either fear or pain. The only other species on the planet that really does sustain aggression is human. If you look at any other video where there might be two predators who are kind of duking it out and it might be or or a predator and a prey, there will come a moment and you will see a moment of disengagement. You will see a place where either the predator or the prey has decided, oh, okay, it's definitely not going to be happening for me today then. Either the predator says, I'm not going to get my meal, and the prey says, I'm going to get to live another day. And there will be this moment of disengagement where whatever that circle of stimulation is for each individual species, that circle of stimulation will have been reached. And then they step one step beyond that circle of stimulation. Then they kind of look at each other, they turn around and they go the other way. There, there most definitely is a reason for why they do things. And quite frankly, from the animal's perspective, when they look at our wars, when we look at when they look at our genocide, when they look at our other really atrocious crimes that we commit against members of our own species, we're really the ones who I think can kind of take maybe a bit more of a lesson from what's going on from other animals on the planet and how to live in harmony with each other and certainly within our own species. I'm Lizanne Flynn and this has been the Animals Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time. Thank you.